Welcome, this is Josh Rees with Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. For more information about our church, please visit our website, milehighchurch.org. So my title of my message today is, There is a Hello in Every Goodbye. And um, I think about the scripture, Isaiah 49, verse 15 and 16. Upon the palms of my hands are written your name. You live forever. I love that scripture. And when we think about um, Memorial Day and our community, you know, it's been months that we haven't been able to be together. And here we are, which is wonderful. And there's been times of isolation. There's been times of loss. Uh, where there's been a loss of our blessed four-leggeds, our animals. Maybe it has been a death of a relationship. Maybe the relationship of just not being with each other, let alone the loss of one of our loved ones when we've had to go all by ourselves to a cemetery and not be gathering together. I felt that this day would be a good day for ceremony for Mile High Church. It would be a good day to come together to say hello before we can say goodbye. We are going to be planting a beautiful tree, and you're all invited, at 11.15, right after this service, and it's going to be out um, uh, close to the vote center and the uh, chapel out in that area. We're planting a beautiful lilac tree in memory of all our loved ones. So it's been a difficult time. I know myself as a minister not being able to always just be present there for you or to gather in ritual. So this is a good day for ceremony. So I want to say uh, just a little bit about Memorial Day itself. I think it was uh, President Abe Lincoln way back when, with the Civil War, he declared that it was going to be um, Memorial Day. And he had the women at the time go and lay flowers upon the graves of the soldiers and how dear that was and how it has stayed with us. And so um, Martin Luther King said this about that. He said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemy, but the silence of our friends. So I want to share with you three stories, quick stories. And the first story, it's about my life. When I was a kid, grew up in Denver, Colorado, and I have a long line of ancestry in Colorado. So as a little kid, Memorial Day was a time, maybe some of you, or you remember your grandparents, would take a picnic and we would go all day long to all the cemeteries. <laughs> you know, and as a kid, it was like, well, this isn't a lot of fun. And I'd be running around and they would call me back because I needed to be a little more reverent. But what they were teaching me, and especially my grandfather, he taught me about his brothers and sisters. Even at Riverside Cemetery, which is one of the oldest in Denver, that um, he took me to my great-great-grandmother's grave and talked about her. So I know it was a time, and as an adult now, I really appreciate those stories, and I remember those stories. And I learned about those people that I never met that had been a part of my life and their lives. 
And so that was Memorial Day for me. Then I remember another time, and it was cold and it was December, and I was sitting upon a, a metal folding chair at a cemetery, freezing, so, so cold, because I was hearing taps being played, and the flag was being folded, and it was handed to my mother. And from that cold, cold day, my mom, such a good person she was, bless her heart, that she had to step forward with two little kids, find a job, move forward, be a good citizen, stay really bucked up with her feelings, and live her life. Thank heavens the goodness in her life was 11 years after that, my stepfather came to us, a wonderful man. He was with us for 25 years. We were so, my brother and I were so grateful for him. And then he passed. Another story. And I want to just tell you this about cemeteries. Over here, over here on Wadsworth, I think it's the Crown Hill Cemetery, um, and only a minister could tell you this, that um, I go there a lot for ceremonies for people, but sometimes going back and forth to Lutheran Hospital, the medical center, or wherever, I'll just pull in there just to be quiet because no one knows where I am when I pulled in there. Sometimes I'll pull in there to eat lunch and I'll move over there by where my dad is buried and the rest of them and because I feel like I kind of own a little real estate there, you know? And, uh, you know, I'll just be still. Well, it was some 45 years later... For some reason, I pulled in over there to be quiet, and I noticed a little flag next to my father's grave. It was not Memorial Day. And so I'm thinking, hello, before I can say goodbye to you. My mother never was able to fully grieve the loss of her love. And so from time to time, yeah, that little flag would be there. I never said anything to my mom. I just held it really dear that she was able to motor out there and to take that little flag. And so it's interesting how many times when we have a, such a change in our lives that, yes, it hurts, but we have to move forward. So that's why I chose hello. And she was saying hello so she could say goodbye. Joseph Campbell, he wrote, he said, it is going down into the abyss that we recover the treasures of life itself. And so we are dealing with change. We don't like to talk about change. The only one that really likes to talk about change is probably the storekeeper, you know, when we're exchanging change, or when we're changing the diapers of the little ones. They appreciate that change. But other than that, change is no fun whatsoever, right? Oh, there are some changes that we celebrate, but when we're dealing with, with grief, we realize that change is constant, but it's a great shape shifter. And we have been disconnected from each other for quite a while, and that in itself has had its, its um, 
strange change, hasn't it? Different way of perceiving, doing things. And for some people, more painful than others. And so feeling that pain of that change. And change can be a teacher of mercy, and it can be a teacher of incredible love also. So the interesting times that we have been in. And we reap the teaching and the learning from this time. You know, when I think about um, change, I can't help but think about a whole circle, complete circle. And that uh, change is constant because it is just our evolution. You know, we look at nature, and I'm so grateful today that the aspen leaves are coming out on the trees on the mountain where I live. And it's starting to green up up there, and it's so beautiful. I can't wait to buy flowers to plant them in the earth. You know, so that constant movement of the cycles of life. And I think it was Ernest Holmes, and I'm just paraphrasing him, that he said that if we stay too long on this plane of existence, maybe um, we would get way too used to it. And so there's that constant movement in our life. And it was Robert Frost who talked about the circle. And he said, on this big circle, you sit on the rim of the circle. And as you sit on the rim, you look to the center because the center knows. So the center represents that which never changes. That which is constant. That which is life itself that which is life eternal, that which is God, spirit, whatever you refer to your God as, that which never changes. And I like to refer to God as that harmonic love that is present there through all circumstances of life. So we know that when we cling to what changes in life, we tend to suffer. You know, if we hold on and hold on, we tend to suffer. And when we can behold the great gifts of the great cycle of life, it gives to us light and it gives to us love. Because all there really is is love. Even in the midst of those tight times that we have known, there is love that is present. So what in the world is grief anyway? Grief is emotional pain. Why do we grieve? We grieve because we have loved so much. Many years ago, I was invited to a friend's house out east, and she raises buffalo. And before we went out to see the buffalo, she kind of hesitated. She said, they're in mourning, because animals also grieve. And so I looked out her kitchen window, and there was a pond out there. And evidently, the main buffalo of the herd the master of the herd, had passed away, had died. And she said this is the fourth day that the buffalo were walking in a complete circle, day and night, out of the honor of their friend. And we know that elephants do that. Animals grieve. And we grieve. So it is universal. And we all grieve differently. You know, some people, it depends on our dynamics. It's easier to express. And some of us, we go quiet. I remember so many years ago when my dad passed, um, I went quiet. 
so quiet within myself. Whereas my little brother acted out. He did crazy things that we never would have thought he would have done, standing up on a dining room table and to get attention, all kinds of crazy things. But he was acting out, where I went silent. And after a couple months, I got physically very, very ill. And I remember that a doctor, when you could be in the hospital more than 24 hours, uh, a doctor <laughs> finally came to me and he sat on the end of my bed and he said, after all this, has anything changed in your life? And I said, yeah, a month ago my dad died and then a couple weeks after that my grandfather died. He said, I want you to take this little medicine and to this day I bet it was a tranquilizer. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. But he said, I want to give you this word of advice. If you are sad, I want you to cry. I want you to express so that my body wasn't holding back all this grief. So it's interesting that we all grieve differently and it was Stephen Levine, who, the late Stephen Levine, who's just been a master with his work with death and dying, he said many times grief feels like you're holding on to a rope and it's being pulled from you and you're receiving hand burns from it. So many times it feels like that, I know. And also, um, it can be like a dark cloud. But today when I woke up and it was really foggy at my house, I thought about there's always a rainbow behind every dark cloud. And I learned that many years ago from studying with Jerry Jampolsky, Dr. Jerry Jampolsky, and with the children from the center of uh, creative alternatives, those little kids had been diagnosed with all kinds of things. And they had two choices, peace or love, peace or conflict. And those that chose that peace, many of them were instantly healed, for they could see that rainbow. And one of my favorite authors, Anonymous, wrote this, Light is known to exist by virtue of darkness. One is the chair upon which the other sits. So it also has been stated that grief is the only gateway to certain levels of consciousness, and it is a hard task master. And if we look at grief as a teacher, we will grow. Rob Schoten wrote, the seeds of wisdom and enlightenment are planted within the womb, the wounds of grief. Dr. Alan Warfeld, who Barry quoted, he said, Grief has a quality of healing in it that is very deep because we are forced to a depth within ourselves of emotion, a depth of emotion that is usually beyond the threshold of our awareness. So I have a little recipe here that I want to read to you. And it comes from a book called Tear Soup. Some of you know that book. A recipe for healing after loss. Helpful ingredients to consider. A pot of full tears, one heart willing to be broken open, a dash of bitters, a bunch of good friends, many handfuls of comfort food, a lot of patience, buckets of water to replace the tears, plenty of exercise, a variety of helpful reading material, enough self-care, um, 
season with memories and optional one good therapist, a practitioner, or a support group. And directions. Choose the size pot that fits your loss. It's okay to increase the pot size if you miscalculate. Combine ingredients. Set the temperature for just a moderate heat. Cooking time will vary depending on the ingredients needed. Strong flavors will mellow over time. This recipe serves just one. So embracing our grief means learning to appreciate and have gratitude for the entire soup, including the peppercorns. <laughs> Many times the peppercorns. And Ernest Holmes, who uh, we know is the founder of religious science, uh, I looked everywhere when I put together my little book, uh, The Land of Tears, to quote Ernest Holmes. I looked everywhere. Finally found this in one of his late journals. And he said that he had gone to San Francisco to grieve the loss of his wife, Hazel. And he wrote this. You will be alone until you are no longer lonely. You will look at darkness until it becomes light, and you will listen to the silence until you hear it speak, and you die until you resurrect yourself. So, mourning. Mourning means to take your grief public. We're doing that today as a community, because we're talking about grief. We're taking it public. We're not hiding it. And also, to be able to say hello to it. Let it teach us. Let it heal us. And also, to listen with our hearts, instead of analyzing with our heads. Death and grief are spiritual journeys of the heart and the soul. So we need to companion each other. We don't need to fix each other. We need to companion, which means to walk by somebody's side as we walk through the wilderness of the soul with somebody else. So today, even planting our tree, it's a ritual. And I think that's what I've missed in the last 16 months is ritual, being able to gather with families. And Starhawk wrote this, ritual builds community, creating a meeting ground where people can share deep feelings, positive and negative, a place where we can sing, we can scream, we can howl, we can just be quiet. So ritual has been a part of the human psychic. And it's so simple as sharing a meal together, celebrating a harvest, or when we're burying our dead. New life, loss of life, and most every major life transition, we have met it always with a ceremony. I always encourage families when they've had a pet loss to take the whole family and to create a, a special walk where they bury or honor or have a celebration where they all talk about what spot meant to the whole family. You know, that's walking through a door. That's a ritual. It's a good thing. So today, here at Mile High Church, I declare that what we are experiencing today is good grief because we have brought it forth to honor where we have been and where we are today. And good grief 
doesn't mean forgetting. It means remembering and forming a new relationship in memory, saying hello before we can say goodbye. I want to share a quick little story. Um, and I want, if I know some of my bereavement team is here, we have a team that's been trained to support you through these times. So I'd like to just have you stand right now if you're here, the bereavement team. Yeah, here they are. So thank you for what you do. And in the beginning of our uh, we've been just offering a six-week piece through this Zoom time, but we usually offer this in an eight-week um, support time. And then the first part, we ask the participants, we give them a little card, and ask them, it's between themselves, to write down an intention when they know that they're going to be feeling better. And they put in a little envelope, and they don't have to show it to us. It's their own personal piece. And I have permission to tell this story, and my team has heard this story before, because it touched me so deeply. I once had a gentleman who his wife had passed away. He and his wife had been Shriner clowns for many years together. They also owned a business together and had been married many, many years. So it was a big loss for this gentleman. I wasn't sure exactly what he'd put on his little card. And sometimes these manifest quickly, depending on the individual. Sometimes it takes a while. And it was a while, and I was in the lobby of Mile High Church, and all of a sudden I hear this man calling my name and working through the crowd, and he came up to me, and he said, Dr. Patty, I am now a clown again. So he had worked, he had discovered his changed self and was able to move forward in his life. So it all is about love. We grieve because we have loved so much. Finding that love, love is stronger than any fear, stronger than death, hope stronger than any despair. And so I can release the pain that touches my memories, but only if I remember them. I can release my grief, but only if I express its memories. And grief must have a heart to hold them. So in closing... I want to read a beautiful piece that's up on the screens. It's called Re Remember Them. In the blowing of the wind and in the chill of winter, we remember them. In the opening of the buds and the rebirth of spring, we remember them. In the blueness of the sky, the warmth of summer, we remember them. In the beginning of the year and when it ends, we remember them. And when we feel lost and weak at heart, we remember them. And when we have joy we yearn to share, we remember them. So long as we live, they too shall live. For they are now a part of us as we remember them. Your name is written upon the palms of my hands. So let us now just move into prayer, just recognizing the presence of love. And that is love that is the very center of that wheel of life. Love glows within our hearts. Nothing can put out that flame. Feel that warmth. Allow that to be that healing, 
essence that fills you, restores you, as we remember them. So I give thanks this day that we can gather and that we can share together, be together. And for this, I am eternally grateful. And I know that every name that came across the screen lives in the spirit world now and forevermore. And so it is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.